Welcome to a special episode of Vodka O'Clock. I'm Amber Love from AmberOfMass.com. What you're about to hear is um, the second half of the Kickstarter panel at the New York Special Edition Comic-Con. I, uh, it took me a whole lot longer to get to New York than I thought, so I walked in late, but I still wanted to make sure that I got you some information about Kickstarter because it's obviously a really go-to way to fund independent comics and other projects these days. And on the panel was uh, Greg Pack, that's who's speaking when the recording first picks up, and Amy Chu, who's an independent comic writer, and then two folks who actually work for Kickstarter, Craig and Jamie. So um, give it a listen. Hopefully you can still glean some of the information out of it. And if you have any questions about Kickstarter, um, they have their own email address where you just write comics at kickstarter.com, and Jamie is the one who actually fields all of those inquiries. So um, give it a listen and let me know what you think, and I will have a couple more episodes uh, from the Special Edition New York Comic Con coming your way. I just want to warn you that there is some like really strange background noise, and I'm not sure why that is, but it's actually in the recording file. So it's not something that I can figure out how to get out um, because I didn't compress the files or anything. But I think you can still hear the voices pretty well if you could just tolerate any of that background noise. I was sitting in the back row, so maybe that had something to do with it. An audience. If you think you have an audience, you can reach them directly. Um, the, the disadvantage is you're doing all of the work. Um, when you do a comic for Kickstarter, you're not just writing and drawing the comic, which is generally what we do in work for hire. We're only doing one piece of that. Um, you're doing everything. You know, you're editing. You are doing the publicity. You're you're project managing the whole thing and making sure everybody's meeting their deadlines. You're working with the printer. You're dealing with shipping and handling. And you have signed up to do customer service, um, and, and that's a hugely important part of it. You know, when you are doing, you can't be proud at all. You have to be willing just to directly communicate with all of your backers, anybody who has a question. Um, and the bigger your project gets, or the more backers you get, the more questions you're going to have. And you have to cheerfully, and, and yet you have to be the kind of person who's willing to embrace that and, um, and answer questions and be upfront about any problems you have and, and deal with it. And it takes a huge amount of time. I had a friend named Jamal Idol who did a Kickstarter for a book called Mommy Danger, and I asked him for advice beforehand. He said, I asked him how much time it took during the campaign. He said, probably about six hours a day. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, during the actual campaign, I was easily spending six hours a day on the campaign itself. Not every campaign necessarily works that way. Um, uh, um, the, as if, if the campaign starts to take off, um, it can. And, and if you decide that you're going to feed that by adding more stretch tools and rewards and things like that, then it can become all-consuming. On the other hand, if you've got a project, and, and, and if you have that opportunity, if it feels right, if you have the time, and if you can handle it, go for it. At the same time, I think there's a lot of, there's a huge amount of value in deciding I need just this much money to do the project, and I'm not gonna go crazy with stretch goals. I'm just gonna get, you know, if I if I hit that, that's gonna be awesome, and I'm gonna make it. Um, hey, Greg, do you, yeah. you wanna meant, like, explain more to stretch goal? Yeah, so let's, uh, I mean, the what, what happened with us was we had a goal of $39,000. That was to do a 60-page comic book where everybody was going to get paid. That was a big important thing for us, uh, was to make sure everybody got their rate, all the different people who worked on the book. 
Um, 39,000 was, was the minimum we, we could figure in order to do that. Um, and we were just crossing our fingers hoping we were gonna make it. And we ended up making that in the first eight hours, which was nuts. Um, so then a stretch goal is, okay, if we make, um, like our first stretch goal we planned for was 59,000 because we budgeted this whole thing out. We figured if we hit 59,000, we could expand the length of the book from 60 pages, I think, to 80 pages. Um, and uh, and then, so, you, so if you think you're gonna reach certain levels or you have a shot to reach certain levels, you, you create these stretch goals that allow it. And in the end, we were able to expand the book to 104 pages. We added a bunch of other little stories done by other artists based on the songs of Jonathan's. We added uh, a whole acoustic album that Jonathan was gonna record with all the songs that he was gonna get for free. It was crazy what we were able to add on. Um, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> you may not want to do that. Don't go too crazy. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is, you're doing the project in order to do the project. Yeah, yeah, you know? And um, we, I, mean, I have no regrets about the way it ran. It's been awesome. And everything that we added was something that I wanted to physically hold in my hand and cut it. You know what I mean? We added t-shirts, we added challenge coins, we added mugs. And, um, and folks were very excited to, to pledge for those, and that was great. We were smart enough not to add a bunch of things that would call, create a lot of extra creative work for us. Um, I think Amanda Palmer famously had a thing where she was going to paint record players as a reward for a Kickstarter thing that she did, which is awesome. I mean, to get a painted record player from Amanda Palmer sounds really cool, but that meant that she had to paint however many record players that was in the end and mail those out to people, you know? So Yeah, and that's like the thing that sounds great when you're like, oh, I hope 10 people do that, right? And then when like a thousand people do it, you're like, oh my God, I'm painting record player. Like, I'll, I'll tell this great story, and then we can um, also open up to questions, but before I work at Kickstarter, I happened to go to a Kickstarter and comment panel, and I forget the guy's campaign, but he wanted $10,000, and he got $114,000, and everyone said, oh my god, that's amazing, and he said, it's the worst thing that ever happened to me, and I'm like, oh my god, why? You wanted $10,000, and you got $100,000. He's like, well, all that money just went into printing more books, and he said, one day, a Mack truck or a semi-truck pulled up in front of my house, and the guy said, I've got eight pallets of comics. Where do you want me to put them? And he literally didn't have room in his apartment for the amount of comics that he, you know, he never really thought about. Like, he was more like, well, you know, I might be able to make the thing, and I'll get whatever, 100 issues. And now he, like, he, was, he was like saying like he was calling friends, and they would drive up in their cars, and he'd hand them comics, <laughs> and they'd take them to their apartments, and he felt like a drug dealer on the street, you know? Um, and he said he basically ended up doing nothing but shipping comics for three months. He said he got up at like five in the morning, shipped comics for two hours, and then went to work, and then came back and shipped comics because it was so wildly successful. Um, that's a good thing to happen, and you know, like in retrospect, I think now that he did it once, because this is this is many years ago, and this is like people are just figuring it out, right? It's not like there's a, a set way to do this. Like every campaign kind of adds to the knowledge base of what's gone before. And he said something very interesting on the panel. Someone said, "Would you ever do a Kickstarter again?" He's like, "No, it totally ruined my life." And then he goes, "Yeah, I'm actually going to do one." Like, you know, because somebody figured it out, you know. But but you know, like the one thing I can tell everyone is you kind of have to have three plans in place, right? One of the plans is what happens if you meet your goal? Can you do the thing on time? Can you get it out? Okay, what happens if you're not meeting your goal? What is your plan? And then also, what happens if your goal is wildly exceeded? Because people start adding stretch goals, and then they realize, oh, I can't really fulfill them. Or, you know, like LeVar Burton has just booked up dinner for the next seven years of his life, you know, things like that. So, you know, just kind of have, have a couple plans in place for that. Um, 
Yeah, of that six hours I was spending today during the campaign, at least two to three of them was spent in Microsoft Excel, uh, working on different budgets, you know what I mean, and checking and rechecking um, as we added stretch goals to Nothing make sure. exciting as spreadsheets. Yeah, I know, I mean, it, and, well, I was lucky because Jonathan not only wrote the song Code Monkey, he is a code monkey. I mean, he worked as a computer programmer, so he had his own spreadsheets going, I had mine, we compared. At one point, we, we compared it all, and this was very late in the game, when the budgets were, were up you know, really high, and we were within $500 from each other, and we were like, that's insane. You know, so we were very happy. But, um, can but you, uh, can you also talk for, like, I know I said we don't want to talk too much yeah. but can you guys talk about for two minutes about shipping, because that's so important, especially in this category. But then, well, I said don't talk a lot about Yeah, I'll just run really quick. Um, just just take a package that you think is going to weigh what your actual shipment will weigh. Actually make a package, go to the post office, weigh it for domestic, local in your area, for across the country, and then for uh, for like Japan um, and Canada. Australia. Yeah, and, and, and so you, and then when you are, and then add 10 to 20% on top of that. Um, and for and then and, and in order to figure out what your shipping costs are, um, uh, and then think about what happens if you end up like maybe you maybe if you have a hundred backers you could do it all by yourself. If you have two thousand backers, you you may want to go with a fulfillment house. Call a fulfillment house uh, while you're planning. Um, also, take two months to plan your thing before you launch. There's no rush. You know what I mean. Take your time. Call a fulfillment house. Uh, a fulfillment house is a company you're basically paying money in order to ship out stuff. You know what I mean? So we worked with a fulfillment house called Echo Dev in Delaware. And we had all of our junk shipped to them, so it didn't have to show up on our back steps, although we did have some stuff show up. And yes, it was crazy. Um, but it got shipped to them. They ended up, sh they shipped out all the packages. They ended up, we paid them, we paid them for, for that. But we factored that into our budget from the beginning so that we didn't get shafted in the end. You know, so just factor it all in the beginning and then add 10 to 25% uh, so you don't get screwed on shipping. Also because shipping, post, U.S. postage goes up in January every year. Oh, right, yeah. You know, yeah. so keep, yeah, keep it all in mind. You know? And yeah. also international shipping always costs more than you think. Yeah. There's, there, there's been a couple projects where when they sort of factored in international shipping, they basically were either breaking even or not really where they needed to be because they didn't expect, you know, they didn't go to the post office. I almost never watch the video. 
like no, I never do, I but then yeah, projects there's the success rate of it's like your project is something like twenty or forty percent more likely to be successful if you have a video. Yeah, I would be a little suspicious if there wasn't a video, but yeah. I don't watch it. <laughs>
I mean, the question is, is it cheaper to do a web comic than a print comic? Digital's always cheaper than print. You know, because you're not, yeah, the, the printing, yeah, it'll, yeah, printing is expensive. Um, I mean, it gets less expensive the more you print, you know what I mean? Like the average copy, the price per copy is going to go down. But yeah, also, if you are doing, but uh, if you're doing a Kickstarter and you're going to give people a reward, yes, people will sign on to get a digital reward if they like it. But I think for comics, I think having a physical copy for comics is pretty important. I think this is why the comics category is so strong at Kickstarter, why comics are such a natural fit, is because people who read comics want to hold their comics yeah. in their hands. Like, I definitely always encourage people, don't forget digital. It's a great way to be able to, like, even offer someone who's pledging, like, a tiny amount. It's not, like, a real valuable reward, because it doesn't really cost you anything to deliver a digital reward. You just send them a link, you know, or whatever, somewhere they can download it. Print costs money, but, I mean, that's why people back comics projects, because they want to see these comics happen. It's, it can be hard to you know, to get your book published otherwise. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really good point when you uh, think about digital and physical rewards, because digital rewards like, are the easiest rewards to you know, distribute. You're not mailing it out. And you know, think of things like, okay, maybe for if you want to charge, I'm going to make up numbers, like $20 for your comic, the print version, you know, maybe you get the digital version at $10, but at $5, maybe you get like the digital version of the script, you know what I mean, something like that. So, you know, think of, of creative stuff and, and try to think of rewards that are both interesting to the person that they're getting it, but also not necessarily super, super hard for you. I've definitely had projects where I get like, you know, a digital copy of the book for like $3 or something. And that's a real reward. Like I get to read a comic and I get to support more projects because I have this option to like, you know, I might not have, oh, I don't know if I want to spend $20 on this, but $3, I definitely want to read this comic, you know. Think of all those options. You have a question? Yeah, um, so you mentioned a few ways to really make it successful with Kickstarter and just, you know, getting the, Contacts in press with, 
journalists and bloggers and folks like that. So um, we, 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 we figured out a little strategy ahead of time where we reached out to all of our press contacts. And the funny thing was is that we had a lot of people who knew us both, you know what I mean, who'd written about us separately, um, which was great because then we come to them and say, hey, we're doing this project together, and that's a whole new hook for them. Uh, I mean, part of it is just, I mean, with any independent project, you are competing, I mean, the crazy thing is, you're out there competing against, uh, you know, X-Men, you know what I'm saying, in, in terms of pop culture, you know, I mean, that's crazy, but that's sort of the reality of it. So it's like, what makes your project different and distinct, and what media do you go to, to, you know, that's gonna care about it? Um, in, in our case, you know, we had, uh, like, we got covered by, well, Jonathan and I have done stuff that in the tech community got a little bit of attention, you know, so we got covered by, like Andy Anako wrote about us for one of the tech sites that he writes for, um, because I mean, the book is about coding monkey, yeah, and, and I mean, I've done a few sci-fi things that were very tech-oriented, and Jonathan has a big fan base, you know what I mean? So, and then, and then the fact that it was a musician and a comic book writer coming together to do a project was a little different, you know what I mean? So anything that you have that makes your project different. Find out what that niche media is that you can talk about. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. There's a lot of um, projects that naturally overlap in several categories. Like my friends who did uh, action figures for girls, they um, they had sort of the mommy blogger contingent, right? Because they're doing like basically uh, action figures for girls made by girls. They had the collector community. They had the comic book community, and they were very smart about knowing. You know, they kind of analyzed their projects, and they didn't know that. Like that's not why they did it, but they kind of looked at all the different. social media as much as you can. Um, not all of us have press contacts, but social media is free. Get on Twitter, get on Facebook. Um, it, uh, when you show that chart of like how your campaign's gonna go, it's really more like you tweet and it goes up and then it like plateaus, and then you tweet again and it goes up. You gotta do that. I, the, the campaigns that I saw that didn't do as well basically didn't really do anything. This is like, kind of like feeding a, 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 a taking care of a, of, a, of a pet. You know, you need to like you know, don't starve um, your pet. Don't yeah. starve your pet. Don't forget about them. If you just don't do anything for a while, you'll notice. Oh my gosh, I'm getting any pledges. It's just that that you know, uh, you, you need to put some effort into it. And, and sad to say, but this is the way it goes for any project. It's like 25% of your time will be actually dedicated to actually doing the project. The rest of the time, you gotta like you know, basically market it. And you know, these if you already have these skills, great. If not, it's time to learn. You know, you gotta get on Facebook. Um, and don't just talk it up like it's my project, this and that. Talk it up in an interesting way because you're talking to an audience. You know, I can't tell you. I actually, I think I backed like 79 Kickstarters. You know, because yeah, I know. It's like yeah, because I think it's fun. I like it. And like it's a great way for me to kind of shop and support. But so so yeah, my email box is full of updates and like people like you know. Try to be try to be yourself. You have your own voice. Find your own voice when you're marketing your stuff. Don't be annoying. Just say this is not a commercial transaction between you and me. I'm supporting you because I want to hear what you're doing, not because you think that you need to be somebody else. Like you need to market like Microsoft. That's not you, and that's not what Kickstarter is about. You know, be true to yourself and try to build your fan base. It's not just about getting the money. Build your fan base by using Kickstarter and, and treat it that way. Yeah, I love that we have both both ends of the spectrum here. I mean, unfortunately, there's no real shortcut to just like this is what will make you get more followers. Like, you know, especially if you're starting small, 
most of the people that support you will be people you know. But that's you know, exactly where you start. That's exactly. It's that's great where to start there. And you know, it'll be a small percentage of people that are total strangers that somehow found your project, but there will be a small percentage. And if you make a great project that's compelling to the people you know, they'll be like, this is cool, and they'll tell other people. Like, it's very, you know, it's hard work. It's, you know, there's no real shortcut, but it definitely does work. Or you could go make great work publicly for a decade and have yeah. fan Yeah, you already have and have that built in. But I mean, that's putting in the work just, just, just the same. Yeah, I mean, but the thing, anybody who is, you know, like, Jonathan and I started off with nothing. Like, you know, none of us come from the entertainment industry. You know what I mean? Like, we, we were not, it's, it's the exact same thing. We were talking to our friends. We were, like, making little hundred, two, I, I was making little hundred dollar or two hundred dollar short films, taking them to film festivals, going and meeting people, collecting email addresses whenever I could, you know, back before, before MySpace. You know what I mean? Um, I was just working with email addresses. And uh, be shameless about like putting, you know, going to whatever events you have uh, that's where your stuff is being shown and making friends. Um, the other big thing, other creators too. I mean, yeah. one, of the, one of the great things, and, and we were talking at dinner last night about how Amy is the, is the master of this, but meeting other creators is a really great, like when you're here, if you have a project, like show someone your project, not to get them to back it, just you know, because it's cool. Yeah, just really quickly, okay, I know that it's a tendency to say, oh, please retweet my project. It's actually not that effective unless a person is actually liking your stuff. So if you're just begging people for a retweet, that actually doesn't do as well as someone like Greg who actually is like, oh my God, this is the best thing. Please support my friend's project. That's the level you want to get to. Don't just go around asking for retweets because they actually don't do that well for you. Yeah, you, you want somebody who cares, you know what I mean? Like, like and... Here's the thing, I mean, this is the way I always think about it. But from back in the day, when I was self-distributing my feature film robot stories, you never know who has 100 friends who's gonna show up in a movie theater. I mean, like, you know, like yeah. people, sometimes we'd be playing in some tiny little city somewhere. This was with my feature film robot stories, which we self-distributed. And because I had been, because I'd reached out to all these folks and gotten email addresses from people in New York, folks emailed their friends in Cambridge and we ended up having like, you know, some guy brought his, I can't remember what it was, it was like his class, like like brought a classroom of people, 20 people to a screen, which was huge for us, you know what I mean? And, and that's the thing, it's like, your cousin may actually end up having like 12 friends who back the project, you know what I mean? So so start with who you know, you know, and start small. I mean, that's I, I was making tiny little short films, you know what I mean? Like when you start small, you can actually finish something. My, I had a, a teacher and a professor in, Film school who was always like, this is not Japanic. He was talking about our uh, at NYU. We, we, you know, we were doing these short films and everybody's like killing themselves. And he's like, this is not Japanic. Don't you know, like just make this make this project. Don't put, you know, like don't try to make a feature film in your first year of film school. Make make a few short films and just really enjoy it and build. You know, build yourself and build your audience. All right, there's a lot of questions, yeah. so we're gonna do the lightning round. So you go, yes, go. Yeah. Um, I'm Yeah, there's been backers from, uh, I think it's like 240 countries. I actually pulled that slide out here, yeah, and I will leave it in there, right. uh, including do, uh, Antarctica. If I want to do like a, a bilingual, oh, if I want to do a, a, a bilingual do you have localized uh, Kickstarters? Like no, the, the, we don't have localization right now. Usually what happens is people will just, um, I was literally just working with someone from uh, Spain 
I was just wondering why some content that's mature and adults only gets approved and some get rejected because like the Ojoy sex toy graphic novel had, was resounding success but other mature content products get rejected. That's a good question. That's a tough one to answer. I mean, you know, deciding what is offensive or not is, uh, I mean, that's so subjective. I, I would say that our policy is very, very liberal in general as long as it's not like a really extreme 
full nature, we generally, you know, accept it. Lightning round. Well, like, well, like pointing hands before. Go. There is no best time frame. The average is 30 days, but we don't know if that's because that works the best or it just became the average because it's 30 days. I don't know if Whatever length you choose, uh, your funding will probably be pretty similar. So, I mean, you could even do like a really fast two week campaign and have it all, you know, shown into that tiny time period or spread like the difference between 30 and 60 days, which is the maximum. The campaigns are usually very similar. It's just a lot slower. It's yeah. So, 30 is just a good average that seems to work well. <laughs> And I would also say, take a look at when major holidays are coming up. I was literally talking to someone, and I'm like, you know that if you launch your campaign, you're going to end on July 4th. And the end is spike is what you know, what a lot of people sort of get pushing over the edge. And no one is going to be pledging on July 4th. So, you know, take a look at the calendar, and, and they actually extended their campaign to like, you know, before they launched, you can't extend it once you launch, but they decided to do like 37 days because they wanted to launch. Lightning round. I, I can't see you. Sorry. There's, there is no best time of year for, for a campaign. You know, we get that question a lot. Um, but it also just depends on there's so many different types of projects. So really, like, get a cool project and get it out there. And, you know, that's the, that's the number one thing. I'm the same as you. Yeah, I'm the same answer. Any other? Yeah? If you have one aspect of a concept, like a script or character design or whatever, and you're starting up to Kickstarter, is it a good idea to have an artist in mind already? I would highly recommend having your whole team assembled before starting okay. Kickstarter. Sometimes I've noticed like when someone goes for sale, it's more like uh, part of Kickstarter uh, announcement goes to paying the artist for their time. Oh well, you definitely want to. I mean, I did that. You know, like I, you want to pay the, I, if at all possible. I think everybody, <laughs> everybody should be paid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, uh, but, um, but. What folks are looking for when they are backing is, is this, I mean, there's an immediate trust sense that people are gonna develop in about 30 seconds. Will this project actually get made? And, um, and are they gonna give me this thing? And so if you have your artists already lined up and committed, then they know, okay, well also then you can show art, and art is what's gonna sell your project. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the, yeah, that's the setup. I mean, you know, hopefully, you, like what we did is we worked a deal with the art, like we paid the artist for the concept art, and, uh, and then we figured out what the page rates were gonna be if we got funded, you know what I mean? But, so we paid them up front to do the work that was necessary to launch the Kickstarter. Okay. And, uh, and then, but then we didn't have to pay them more until we actually got the money, you know what I'm saying? So there are ways to do it. Okay, we are uh, we're out of time, so I just wanna say that you guys are all awesome.